Good morning. Um, welcome to the Grove. My name is Eric Matoy, Pastor of the Grove, and we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, before we jump into the second part of this series, I just want to say welcome to all those listening to our podcast and watching Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in. Um, for the rest of us in the theater, thanks for taking uh, some time out of your week just to be with us. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. So this is part two of a series called I Want to Believe But. Here's why we're doing a series called I Want to Believe But, because there's a lot of people who have walked away from faith, walked away from God, walked away from church. Um, in our in our in our in our city and in our country, there's a growing uh, demographic that's happening throughout throughout even the world, uh, as known as the nuns. And the nuns are people that would say, "I'm not. I don't really affiliate with any religious belief, any set of belief um, that that I've, I've maybe walked away from church." And they kind of find themselves right in the middle. A lot of these people would say. I'm not quite all the way to not believing in a God because there's really nothing there but meaninglessness and despair. I'm not really sure if I believe in the God of Christianity or other gods. I'm just kind of in the middle. Um, in, in our population, in our city, in our, in our country, uh, there are anywhere from 25% to 50%, depending on where you look throughout our nation, that fall in this category. So it's possibly that half the people you know in our city could fall into this category. And so we're addressing this, these questions that a lot of them raise, the reason they've walked away from church or from the faith is because of some of these things that we're going to be talking about. And so we, we asked the question about, you know, there, people have religious doubts, and that's, that's normal. Hist- history has shown people have always had religious doubts and doubts about God and the existence of God and, and belief systems, and we want to talk about those through this series. Um, and we asked the question last week, we said, what if the God that some people walked away from never even existed? What if the, pers- the, 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 the deity that they thought they were walking away from was actually not even a God, but just that never existed? What, what happens then? And so last week we, we talked about on-demand God. And what we established and said, on-demand God doesn't exist. So if somebody walked away from this God of, you know, I, I prayed a prayer and he never answered. I, I asked him help with this. He didn't show up. So therefore, God doesn't exist. I'm out of here. I don't believe. Well, throughout Scripture, it's very clear that God doesn't, he's not on-demand. That's On-demand on God is nothing more than a genie in a bottle uh, that, that we would hope that he would wish everything that we had. And we, we said last week, that would not be good if this guy did exist because there would be chaos. Would, it wouldn't be good for anybody. We would be spoiled. That's not what God has for us. In fact, we said, like a good father, the, the God that created heaven and earth, the creator, um, he doesn't want to just do something for us. A lot of times he wants to do, develop something in us. And so this journey that we're on, he's wanting to develop our character, our, who we are, our heart. And that's really what God's heart is. So on-demand God, if you walked away from on-demand God, we said, that's okay. Because that God doesn't exist anyways. But why don't you reconsider maybe the God of creation, the God of the Bible. And we're going to talk through that. So today we're going to talk about another God. Uh, this is probably the God that people run away from the fastest. All right? And when I, when I say what it is, you're going to say, oh yeah, I, I get this. All right? Uh, killjoy God. If you walked away from Killjoy God, that, that we're going to talk about how he doesn't exist either, and that's okay. Um, I, I remember growing up, I, I was, um, you know, I might have friends. I'm like, why do you believe? Why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in a God who doesn't let you have any fun? Um, you just, there's, there's no, he takes away all the fun in life. Why would you follow a God like that? And I would try to explain, but I was young, and I really didn't have an answer for them. But, the, but this is the God they're talking about. They went to a church somewhere. They went to some, some place where they said, all right, if it, if it has anything to do with pleasure... No, it's wrong. Uh, has anything to do with sex? No, 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 no. It's wrong. And they heard this message and they thought, man, I don't want to, I don't want to follow a God who's trying to take away all my fun. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And no God can tell me what I can or cannot do. Um, and so they walked away from killjoy God because they want to have fun. They want to enjoy life. Uh, sometimes maybe you've met Christians like this. I've met some where they're just not a lot of fun. And people see that and they think, man, I don't want to follow that God. Their life, if that's a reflection of God, I don't want that. 
I would agree with you. Uh, when, I, when I meet Christians who have, have, have life has been sucked out of them, they don't have joy in life, uh, they're missing something along the journey. But I would agree. They, they, they also probably serve in a killjoy God where they are, they're not enjoying life and what God has for them. But before we talk about killjoy God, we really have to, we really have to talk in, about something that's really important, uh, morality. What is right and what is wrong? Because really this God is – a lot of people walk away from this God, killjoy God, because of, of what's right and wrong and morality. Uh, people, people, they want to, they want to establish their own way of doing things, and they don't like anybody or any anyone, especially specifically God, to tell them what is right or wrong in their life. Um, and so we have to talk a little about this. And um, I, I, I would, there's an illustration that happened yesterday, right in front of me. Uh, we're driving down the road. My wife and I were going to go eat breakfast, and uh, we're, we're in the three lane. Um, part of Cerios, we're on, on Cerios Road, and as we're going down, we're in the middle lane, and so it's snowing, there's a, there's a car in front of me, has snow all over its windows, and just, you know, that in itself is kind of dangerous, uh, but we're at this light, the light's red, we're all sitting there, and I'm right behind this car, and there's cars that are, that are going, well, this car decides, like, oh, this is my turn, I need to take this turn, so it cuts off the car to its right, no blinker, doesn't signal, doesn't anything, while traffic's coming, just turns and takes its own thing, like, hey, I'm the most important car on the road, move out of my way, here I come, get out of my way, and just takes this turn and goes off, and I think, man, that was really dumb. Not only was it dumb, it was very dangerous. There's snow, there's, he can't even see good in his, in, in his windows and all that, cuts off this car, could hurt somebody in that car, and just does his own thing. I don't know what was going through his head, what, what motivated this, and whether it was a selfish motivation or what, but, but obviously there was a decision that was made. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. It didn't matter if he put people in danger or not, uh, but he made, made a choice. So some people would say, well, what is right and wrong? Was that guy right or wrong? Well, I guess depending on who you ask, if you ask a judge or a police officer, they would say that was wrong because we have laws that establish how we should drive on the road. And if that guy stood in front of the judge because the police officer owed him a ticket for a lot of money because he broke all these laws, the judge would say, well, here's your fine. Here's your pay. Can you imagine the guy saying, well, your honor, you're a killjoy. Like every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you, judge. Party pooper. Right. I don't think this guy would sing a song to the judge. I don't think he'd walk out of the room and say, you know what? I don't believe you exist because you're telling me how to live my life. I can do my own things and walk out of the courtroom and say, I no longer believe in justice. I no longer believe in the judge, judges that, that rule over our laws. Um, in fact, I'm not even going to listen to police officers. They're just trying to take all my fun. Imagine, imagine if uh, you went to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor says, okay, so through your chart, you, you answer some questions, your, your lifestyle, you're saying you're, you're doing these things, you're, you've added these things into your life. Um, you know, some of these things cause cancer. Some of these things you're doing are going to develop um, health issues for you in the long term. You know, you should really consider not doing these things. You wouldn't look at the, at the doctor and say, Doc, man, you're a real killjoy. You're trying to take all the fun from my life. Like, I can do these things if I want to do it. I can eat as much sugar. I can, whatever, put as much chemicals or bad stuff in my body as I want. It's my life. I can choose. The doctor said, yeah, you can choose. It's up to you. But if you continue down that path, I can tell you there's a good chance you're going to get this stuff. You're going to have these issues long term. We wouldn't walk out of the doctor and say, you know what? I no longer believe in doctors because they just want to take all my fun. Right? Or you stand before the judge and somebody gets in a ticket for drunk driving. Come on, judge, you're just trying to take all my fun. I can really do what I want to do. So when it comes to, to doctors, when it comes to, to justice and when the judge and all that, we don't hold the same standard over them that we overdo over God sometimes. See, when, when it's God saying it, it's like, well, you know, I really can't see God, so I don't know if he even exists, and he's just trying to take my fun. I'm not going to follow him. But what if, what if God is trying to protect you from something by saying don't do these things in the same way our laws say, 
don't do these things because it's going to protect you and protect the most people around you. I believe God is the same way. Um, as, as, I'm, as I'm going through this series and I've been studying, I found a great book. I would recommend it to you. It's called Stealing from God. Uh, this, 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 this man, he's brilliant. He goes to universities and just has debates with, with atheists and answers questions from college students. And um, it's just, just a great book. And one of the books he wrote before this is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And so he does these debates about how he doesn't have enough faith to be an atheist. So he has these, these question and answer times. And a lot of times in his question and answer times, he'll ask this question of atheists. He'll come up and say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And he'll say, well, let me ask you a question. If I can prove the existence of God and prove that Christianity is true, would you become a Christian? And they say, no, heck no. I don't want that worldview in my life. I don't want somebody telling me what I can or can't do. But yet they argue that their stance is built around reason and evidence. Yet he says, if I can prove it to you through reason and evidence, will you become a Christian? They say, no. So he says, so it's really not reason or evidence that you're really denying God. It's something else. Now, I'm not saying every atheist is, is denying God because of, of, of morality, but a lot of them have built their case around morality and saying no to something because they want something else. In fact, one guy said sometimes it's often their stance and arguments against God and the church are often just smokescreen for moral rebellion. They're just using that view and that stands for moral rebellion. I'll show you. There's an atheist who wrote a book called Ends and Means. Aldous Huxley, this is what he said about his beliefs. He said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. Consequently, I assumed that it had none. I was able, without any difficulty, to find satisfying reason for this assumption. Most ignorance is vincible ignorance. We don't know because we don't want to know. For myself, as no doubt, as for most of my contemporaries, the philosophy of meaninglessness, which is what um, atheism is about, meaninglessness, there's no rhyme or reason, there's nothing there, was essentially an instrument of liberation. The liberation we desired was simultaneously liberation from a certain political and economic system and liberation from a certain system of morality. We don't want people to tell us what, what to do. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. He goes on to say this. Uh, the supporters of these systems claim that in some way they embodied the meaning, this would be a Christian meaning they ins- insisted, of the world. There was one admirably simple method of confuting these people and at the same time justifying ourselves in our political and erotic revolt. We could deny that the world had any meaning whatsoever. And that was his conclusion. As long as we said there is no meaning, there is no reason to life, God doesn't exist, it gives us freedom to do whatever we want. I'm really glad that Killjoy God doesn't exist because if he, if he did exist and he allowed us to do anything we wanted all the time and there was no consequence, there's nothing that was going to happen our world would be chaotic. It would be a mess. So we have, we have two spectrums. We have an atheistic view of saying the world is meaningless. There's no, there's no meaning. There's, no, there's nothing to it. And then our worldview as Christians say, no, there's a God that created everything. We believe that he has a reason for, li- for living. There's meaning. I don't know where you find yourself on the spectrum. Uh, there's a good chance that if, if 50% of our, of our city was in the middle, that you might be somewhere in the middle. You kind of don't have enough faith to be an atheist, but your faith is maybe some doubts because of, of maybe experiences you've had in the past. Well, well, a lot of people want to believe, but they have these things. So I would, I would say if you're here today and you find yourself in the middle, our hope is this series that you would reconsider and say, would you consider the God of creation? He has a plan for your life. And in the service, I'm actually giving you an opportunity to take a step towards him and say, you know, I want to trust you with my life. And that will be at the end of the service. So I'll help you to take that, 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 that step towards him. Um, but, but here's the thing. On one side, it's, it's chaos and meaninglessness. On the other side, there's, uh, there's meaning and there's, there's standards that God sets up and he asks us to follow and obey. And we're kind of like, well, I don't know if I want that. I know I don't want that. I'm not sure if I want that. 
well, in the middle of this, I want to I want to help us take take some steps towards God. Maybe we've mistaken God's standards as joy killer. Right? Maybe we've mistaken His standard as a joy killer when He really gave it to us because He knows that the results of our choices, He knows what they'll be, and He's just giving us a heads up on what those where those two paths lead. Maybe it's possible that what we've mistaken for killing joy in our lives is actually a God who loves us so much it says, no, no, I know the beginning from the end. So this choice you make, like a doctor would tell you, if you continue to do these things, cancer is on the horizon um, or other health issues are on the horizon. The same way God is saying, if you do these things, there is something that's on the end of that path that you will not like. But if you go down this path, there's something at the end of that that you will like. And I believe as a loving God that we're going to talk about, he's saying, here's your, here's your choice. And the thing I love about God the most is he gives us the choice. Nobody can force it on us. You get to choose. I get to choose. That's freedom that God gave us. Um, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about that, how that freedom really can, can bring a lot of mess into our world because of it. But he wants us to have the choice. He, doesn't, he didn't make us as robots. He gave us a choice to be able to do this. Really, what I think when people walk away from killjoy God, they're really walking away from religion. And that's not really a bad thing. Because when Jesus came and walked on the earth, he didn't, he didn't come to set up Christianity as another world religion. He came to set up Christianity as a way to live. It's about relationship, not religion. So we're going to talk about the two. What is religion versus Christianity? What's the difference between religion and Jesus' way? Um, I think people aren't rejecting necessarily Christ or God. They're rejecting something that happened to them. Maybe somebody of, of faith said something that disturbed them. Maybe there was a prayer that was said and the, the, nothing happened. And they walk away from those experiences uh, maybe, maybe they even walk away from things that are associated with that, that experiences, like a specific church or church in general. I don't necessarily think they're walking away from God. I think they're walking away from something entirely different, which we would call religion. And that's not a bad thing. So um, here's the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion, it focuses on the external rather than on the internal. Jesus was all about what's going on on the inside, your heart, your action, what you're doing, where it's flowing from. Not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Where is that coming from? He was saying we need to focus on the inside, not just the outside. Religion just looks at the outside. You know when you're religious because you'll put on a, a, a nice face, you'll put on a mask, and somebody say, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing really good. How are you? But on the inside, there's something really not right. That would be a facade. That'd be, that would be putting on something. That's what religion does. It focuses on the outside. In fact, Jesus had a complaint against the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew 23, he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Hypocrites is another word for somebody who acts. It's a play actor. Uh, somebody puts on a mask that pretends to be somebody they're not. Uh, you, you clean the outside of the, the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. So he's saying, yeah, you put on a good show for everybody else, but on the inside there's greed and there's self-indulgence. He's saying you blind religious person, you blind Pharisee, First, clean the inside of the cup and the cup in the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So he said, don't focus on the outside, focus on the inside. See, there's a gap between us and God, and religion's attempt to close that gap is through human effort and what we do. It's all about the do's and the don'ts. So when people walk away from killjoy God, they're really walking away from religion is all about do's and don'ts. But Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to something better than that. I'm inviting you to something more. That what we do and don't do is important. But it's, it's more motivated by what's on the inside of why we're doing and not doing those things. Paul says it like this in Romans. He says um, in Romans 3.20, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. So if you're practicing religion, you're trying to, you're trying to please God with what you do, you'll never, you'll, never, you'll never make it. Because here's the truth. You can't earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. 
See, the law was given to us for a different, different purpose. You can't earn God's acceptance by, by doing it. It doesn't matter how much you read your Bible, how much you pray, how much you go to church, how much you give away from yourselves. Doing things is not going to earn acceptance from God. That's what the message of Jesus is about. It's not about what we do, although those things are important. It's more about who we are. It's more about who we know. Killjoy God, you know, has more to do with moral, moral how we say this, moral entity, you know, more, not Christianity, but moral entity. It's about what we do and, and what's right and what's wrong. And, and that's the killjoy God is focused on that. God, Jesus, is saying there's something better than that. I have something more for you. And don't misunderstand Jesus' way from religion because they're two different things. In fact, the reason God gave us the law in the first place, just like we have speed limits on our roads, it's, it's the purpose of the law is to show us our need for a savior. That's why the law was given in the first place because we know when we're breaking the law, right? You're driving by a sign, you see 75 miles an hour, you look down at your thing, it says 100. You know what's coming, right? Some red and blue lights behind you pretty soon. Why? By whose standard? By the, the law that, that we, we're governed by in, in our land. You know when you break it because it's posted. It's there for you to know that, it, that you've broken something. That's why God gave us the law. That's why he gave us his commandments, his standard, so that we know when we've messed up. And in our hearts, we know that there's guilt there. And what's interesting, people that walk away from killjoy God because they want to keep doing their fun, they can't ever escape the guilt of doing those things. Why? Because there's something inside of us that God wrote in our hearts that says, that's not right, don't do it. Even though when you say there's no God, I'm not going to believe that, I don't accept anybody else's standard, I'm doing my own thing, they can't ever escape the guilt because it's something that's deeper in us saying, we need, the law is telling us we need a savior, we need somebody to help us on this journey. Paul continues on in Romans 3, he says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So until we see ourselves as a sinner, we won't see our need for a savior. As long as you think, I have it all together, I'm perfect, I don't need anybody to tell me what I'm doing, you'll miss on what God's best for your life. The law was given to us so we can recognize, ah, I've missed it there, I need somebody to help me with this. In our conscience, it tells us something's not right. There's guilt associated with sin, there's a guilt associated with breaking God's standard. In our lives, God is saying, that's to show you that you've broken something and you need to make it right. And the only way we can make it right is, is, is with, the only way we can have a right standing with God, it comes through Faith in Christ alone. See, Paul, in that same verse, he goes on and says this, that the righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Paul's telling us, for those who believe in Christ, that's how we have right standing. We understand that his sacrifice on the cross is giving us a way back to God. It's not the things we do, but it's the person we know and who we call upon when we need help. I, the best example I can, I can show is on, on the last day that Jesus is about to die, hours before he's going to die, there's two thieves next to him. He's in the, he's, there's three crosses. He's in the middle. One of the thieves, he, he got caught breaking the law. He's, he's being tortured for it. He's, he's being killed on the cross, just like Jesus. Another thief on the cross to the left of him. One of them says, hey, Jesus, you say you're the son of God. Why don't you show us and prove it and save us all? And, he, and he, he, he mocks Jesus. And the other thief says, hey, why don't you shut up? He didn't do anything bad. We deserve our punishment. This guy's innocent. And he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you remember me in your kingdom? Essentially, he's saying, I need your help. And Jesus took, looks at him and says, today, you're going to be with me in heaven. And right there, he forgives a man. It's not about what the man did. It's about the, who the man called upon, who the man knew. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's not about doing. It's about who you know. It's about relationship. Religion will not get you what you want. Never. Never will. 
But relationship with God will. And that's the difference between the two. So killjoy God, I would walk away from him because your life will suck. It will. Because you'll never be happy about anything because you'll never be good enough to ever do anything. But if you have a relationship with God, you'll begin to see. Let's, let's look at an example of the, the difference between religion and Christianity. All right, religion says it's all about what I do. It's on the outside. It's, it's what, how I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. I'm trying to give enough. I'm trying to do enough good so God will say, all right, you've outweighed. Your good has outweighed your bad. But that's not how God works. He's saying there's not, we can't do enough to, to earn God's, God's favor. Christianity, on the other hand, is, what, is what, about what Jesus has already done on the cross. Religion, what you do, Christianity is about what God has done on your behalf for you. It's a big difference there. Religion is really about, it's about me. It's about what I do. It's about my works. It's about me, 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 me. It's built around, around a selfish, really, end, end that we're trying to accomplish. Christianity is really about Jesus. He's saying, I'm giving you an example, a way to live. Follow this example. Religion is spelled D-O, about what we do. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's already been done. Like the way back to God has been accomplished. You just have to ask God for forgiveness and, await and say, I want to follow your way. Religion is say, no, you got to keep doing, 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 doing. Maybe one day you're good a lot way you're bad and you can go to heaven. And God says, no, that's not how it works. It's already been done for you. You just have to accept it and begin to follow my son Jesus. He invites us into. Religion is all about have to. If you do these things, you have to. The standard is here and you have to obey them. Uh, over here, it's about get to. Christianity is about getting to. You know, when you drive down the road, you don't have to obey the speed limit. You can speed. You can do whatever you want. You, can, you don't have to not drink and drive. You can drink and drive. But the results of those eventually will show itself that it's dangerous. But you get to do the right things so you protect others. You know, technically, um, there's no law that I know of of me having an affair with my wife. I can technically go have an affair with my wife outside of the Bible. I'm talking about our, our culture. And I don't think there's a law that a judge would – I was standing before a judge, and he would say, you know, you had an affair with your wife. You're going to jail for 10 years. I don't think there's a law like that. So technically, because there's not a law that says I can't have an affair with my wife, I can go have an affair with my wife and not go to jail. I can get by with it. It's okay. That would be the, the have to. Like you, you have to not – you have to be faithful to your wife. God's way is saying you don't have to be faithful to your wife. You get to be faithful to your wife. Why? Well, if you're not faithful to your wife, that relationship is going to end in the, over a cliff. It's not going to be good. But if you get to be faithful to your wife, that path is going to lead to a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage in 30, 40, 50 years. Does that make sense? Get to or get to and you have to. When we live a have to life, everything is forced upon us. When we live a get-to life, we actually choose to say, God, there's something better down this path. I'm going to choose your way. Religion, rules, 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 rules. Christianity, relationship. Out of the relationship, the right actions will flow because you'll begin to understand God gave us these for our protection, for our health, for our longevity in relationship. You have to or you get to. Religion is have to. And killed with God, that's not a lot of fun when you have to. But when you choose to do things, it's, a lot, it's, it's way different. When you have to read your Bible, it's not that fun reading your Bible. When you get to read your Bible because God is speaking to you something, it's a lot easier. When you have to pray because it's something you have to do, that's not a lot of fun. When you get to pray because you know God is showing up in a great way, that's a lot better. When you have to love other people, you really don't love them with sincerity. It's like... My wife's sincere. You, you don't, we love together. That's good. She's a great, she's very sincere. 
So Sincerity and I, when we have to love others, it's not that fun. Like, if I have to be a pastor to people sometimes, it's not that. But when I get to be a pastor to somebody or I, I get to love somebody, that's way different. Do you see the difference? Religion is a joy killer because you have to. Following Christ is full of joy because you get to. I don't have to kiss my wife. I get to kiss my wife. Huge difference, right? That's what, that's what God is saying. Don't, don't, you don't have to go to church on Sunday mornings. You get to go to church on Sunday mornings because there's life here. There's something that's going to challenge you. And if you go to a church where you have to, that's an indication that you should probably find a different church. And if this church is one of those that you have to, find a church where you get, get to. And you're like, I enjoy coming to this church because I leave refreshed. I leave because I have life has been given to me. And if our church doesn't do that for you, find a church that does. Because I want you to be able to say, I get to go to church today. It's a Sunday morning. I get to start my week off with God. That's a huge difference than religion. So religion, it complicates with laws, but Jesus simplifies with love. Religion says rules, 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 complicates everything. Jesus says love. In fact, a religious leader said, Jesus, summarize the Bible for me. What is this all about? And Jesus says, love God and love people. Love. His summary was one word, love. In fact, one of the most famous passages we use to talk about God's love is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why did he give his son? Because he loves us. It's about, it's about getting to, not having to. God didn't have to send his son. He got to send his son. He, he allowed his son to come. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross, although that was the only way we could be back to God. He chose to give his life on the cross. It's a big difference. It's a big difference when it comes to that. So religion, we can say it complicates. But Christ, he simplifies the religious people brought a woman who was caught in adultery and said, all right, by the law, she's supposed to die with, with us throwing rocks at her. What do you say, Jesus? And they're trying to trick him into you know, showing that he's weak and that he doesn't understand. And this is what Jesus says. Whoever doesn't have sin, go ahead and cast the first rock. And they all, one by one, walk away because they realize they are not good enough to be able to throw a rock because they missed God's standard. And the woman's left there with Jesus, and he says, you know what? Today I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. The person that should have died because religion says he should have died, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Choose today. Get, you get to follow God's ways. Choose what's right. Choose this path. Stop going down that path. And he lets it. So here's the point. The point of Christianity and point of what we're talking about is it's not killjoy. That's not the point. The point is not doing. The point is knowing. And when I say knowing, it's not knowing more scriptures and know more about God. It's knowing God himself. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not religion, it's relationship. It's not have to, it's get to. It's about relationship. And this is what our church is all about, saying God is a life-giving God. If you follow him, the path he leads you on will be amazing. It will be great. Um, So Killjoy, we can say this about Killjoy God. Killjoy God does not exist. And when you follow Killjoy God, your, your joy will be sucked out of your life because it's no fun to follow rules all the time. But when you understand why those rules are put there in the first place, you begin to say, oh, wow, it's not because he's trying to take my joy. He's trying to give me more joy. David in the Old Testament wasn't a perfect man, but it says that his heart was focused on God. Like he wanted a relationship with God. And he chased after God. And this is what David wrote. I'm going to prove to you that killjoy God does not exist. David says this about God in Psalm 16. He says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence is fullness of joy. Wait, I thought God was a killjoy God. No, no. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. So you want to know what joy feels like and how full it can be? In God's presence. 
Why do we sing songs of worship? Because we're saying, God, your presence, when you're around, things change. We want more of you. And he goes on to say this, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Wait, wait, I thought God was a killjoy guy. I thought he was trying to take all my fun. You're telling me he wants to give me a lot more fun and has, has pleasures for the rest of my life and into, into eternity? Yes, that's what God is saying. So yeah, you can choose the pleasure of now and do what you want to do whenever you want to do it. But that path, he says, will lead to something you won't like. Or you could say no to some things that you really want and just trust me for what's better and I'll lead you there. Eric, don't have an affair on your wife because that's going to ruin every relationship you have. But God, you're trying to take my fun. No, no. It has nothing to do with taking your fun. It has everything trying to protect you from the outcome of that, where that path will lead. If you trust me, it'll be really good. You know, th- th- I heard a stat that, uh, that said that um, intimacy gets the best about 16 years of marriage. Like there's just something about that 15, 16 years where things begin to happen with, with a couple, the man and a wife. Um, we're celebrating 15 years in just a couple, couple of weeks. And I'm excited for that because we're, yeah, we can celebrate that. 15 years is awesome. We, we started early because Mother's Day weekend is our anniversary that Friday. And so we went to, to have, have a, just a celebration. And it, was, it was great. But in this, he's, God is saying, things improve when you do it my way. And there's kids in here, so try to be careful, all right? It's hard. It's hard when there's young ones in here. You want to talk, and you can't. All right. So this path, Eric, will not be good. This path, if you follow me, 15 years will come. It won't be easy. God never says it's going to be easy if you follow his ways. There's going to be challenges. But if you do it, you're going to really enjoy things in marriage and life and family if you follow my path. That's what God is saying to us. Um, here's our challenge for today. Would you say yes to God? So if you're on that spectrum between meaninglessness and faith in God, you find yourself in there, I would say, would you take some steps this way and say, I'm going to try, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to follow your ways. Would you say yes to God today if you never have? And if you have said yes to God, stop doing have to and start doing I get to because there's a big difference in, in our walk with God when it's have to and it's get to God is saying would you would you would you continue to grow in your relationship with me that's God's invitation so whether you're a believer or not would you take a step towards God continue to walk towards him because it's not about religion it's about relationship it's not about um, just rules it's about why those things are given in the first place and when you dig in and you begin to understand why those rules were given, you begin to say, oh, I get it. I get it. I know why God would put that standard. Yeah, there should be a law that says you can't cut off a car and turn to the right whenever you want to. Why? Because there's cars, there's people in that car that you can hurt. That's not a bad thing. So God says, yeah, you shouldn't be able just to veer off and have, have relationships with any woman you want when you're married. You should stay the path. Why? Because that's going to cause a lot of damage. Not trying to take fun. He's trying to protect us from something that could come our way. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, 8 through 9. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and I, give, I have the awesome privilege today to be able to help you take that step towards God and become a Christian. It's one of the best things I do as a pastor. Because if you, if you, if you think God is just a religious God and a killjoy God, you're missing it. He's not. He has joy for us, and it's going to last for a long time. See, if I told you... If I told you, I know the path to life, and I know the way to have success in, in marriage and life, would you take it? You know, everybody would say, yeah, I want that path. I want to go down that path. But in saying yes to this path, you're going to have to say no to some of these other things down another different path. Whoa, whoa, you can't tell me what to do and what I can't do. No, I'm not trying to tell you what to do and not do. You choose. But one path is going to lead you to success and fulfillment and joy. The other one, although temporarily it's going to feel like, man, this is awesome, it's so good, 
it's going to lead you down a path that's really just a dead end. And it's really just a destructive end. And you'll wake up one day and you'll realize, I took the wrong path. So today, here's what I want to challenge you with. If you find yourself on the wrong path, the quickest way to correct it is not to push the accelerator and go faster. The quickest way is to push the brake, put your signal on, make sure you're not going to hit anybody off, right? Turn and go the opposite way. That's what the Bible calls repentance. It's us recognizing that we've gone our own way without God. He's saying, stop, turn around, begin to go away from that lifestyle, most things that you've, you've been saying yes to that aren't healthy, and choose my path. He says, I promise you, it'll be joy everlasting. There'll be good things if you just trust me. Your life will. There'll be things that'll improve. Not easy. Won't, everything won't get, get peachy overnight. It'll take some time. But he invites us into that journey. Would you choose? Would you choose his way? And here's the thing. Just please note this. I'm not trying to control you. I'm not trying to force you to make this choice. It's free will. And I think every one of us should do what God does. He says, the choice is yours. You get to choose. If you, have nothing to, you want nothing to do with what I talked about today, that's okay. The choice is yours. But if you're here today and you say, I, I, it's time for me to stop going in the wrong direction, I choose God's way, then let me introduce you. Let me, let me lead you on that, that, that journey. Let me help you on this, prayer, that, this journey. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. So it's God's grace that saves us when we believe. And you can't take credit for this. I can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. And the reason God made grace a gift is that we can't say we earned it through religious activity. No, it's a gift that a heavenly father at a relationship, out of a relationship that he gives to us. It's a gift. Not, salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done so that none of us can boast. It's a gift from God. And that gift is free to all of us. And it's, he's here today saying, would you accept my gift? It requires something of you. It requires that you leave the path you've been on that's not leading to any more good. And you begin to follow my path. It requires us to say yes to God and no to sometimes things that we really want. But we want to trust him. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we wrap up service. If you're here today and you're on the wrong path, and you know you are, um, I want to lead you in a prayer. All I would ask is just you acknowledge that you're here today. Just lift your hand in a second. I'm not going to call you to the front. Uh, but when I ask, just, just let, you, let me know you're here. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just a simple prayer from your seat. And God says, if you, if you will confess that you need my help, if you'll confess that you've done wrong, you've gone down the wrong path, and you'll turn around and you'll follow me, I'll forgive you your sins. Like the Bible says that when we confess our sins and we, we, we acknowledge that God died on that cross for us and has a better way for us, God shows up in the middle of it. If you're not ready to make that decision, I would say don't, don't make it. This is not a religious thing that we're doing. It's a... It's a it's a response to a relationship, an invitation to a relationship that God makes. So if you're here today and you're ready to make that choice, if you're not, keep waiting. I would, I would say keep thinking about it until you're ready. But if you are, would you raise your hand and let me know you're here today? Awesome, I see your hands. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I love that God has invited us into relationship. Not just rules and not just do's and don'ts. All those things are important that we do and do and don't do. He's saying, would you just let me be your friend? Let me lead you on this journey. Let me help you. You don't have to. You get to choose me today. For all these that raise your hand, would you just repeat this prayer after me? 
if uh, you're a Christ follower in this room, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? They can, they can hear there's more voices in here that have made the decision that we're standing in, in solidarity with them. We're, we're agreeing with them that this is the best decision they can make in their life. So raise your hand. Would you say this prayer with me? Would you say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I am lost without you. I believe that you sent your son to die on my behalf on that cross so that I could live. I believe you're alive today, Jesus. And you have a good path for my life. I say yes to your way. And I say goodbye to my old way. Help me. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that prayed that prayer today.